0: Hello, and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually awakened. This is our monthly chatty conversational show. Denise and I have already been chatting for almost an hour, and we thought we better just hit the record button. (laughs) So we were talking like, well, what should we chat about? And I was telling Denise, you know, I've shared with you guys many times that Our readings that we do for clients tend to run in themes, and this week, all the readings I've done have tended to be about people saying to me, I know that I should be doing fill in the blank, but I'm afraid to, and I don't know why. I don't even know what I'm afraid of. So we thought we could start by just talking about what are the fears that are holding us back, and why do we give them so much time and attention? You know, Denise, I was watching this really cute. um, Well, I don't know if cute is the right adjective, but it was a story that um, Will Smith was telling about fear and overcoming fear. And he's just so charming that I, cute just comes to mind. But anyway, he was talking about how these friends had asked him to go skydiving and he had had a couple of drinks and was like, sure, I'd love to go skydiving. Why not? And they kept drinking and By the time the night ended, he was like, oh my gosh, they're serious. We're actually meeting to go skydiving tomorrow. And he said he couldn't sleep all night because he kept thinking, I don't want to skydive. I don't want to jump out of an airplane. Why did I say yes to this? Didn't sleep the whole night. He wakes up the next morning and he thinks, okay, calm down, Will. Like they all were drinking too. I'm sure it was nothing. It's probably not even happening. But of course they text him. It's happening. It's on. They're booked so he drives there he's freaking out the whole way and he does this wonderful description of you know all the stuff leading up then they give you the little talk about how you have to jump out of a plane and there's this button in case your parachute doesn't <laughs> unravel and he's thinking holy cow this is really really real and he describes this moment where he's standing in the open door of the plane and he's thinking i'm standing in a plane, and the door is open, and we're in air, and this is not natural. This is not normal. I'm not doing this. And his coach guy says, okay, we're going to go on the count of three, one, two, and then pushes him. And the minute he pushes him and Will Smith is flying through the air, he has this epiphany of, this is amazing. I am so happy. This is the best feeling in the world. And when that wonderful experience ends, all he can think about is, wow, I wasted so much time fearing this. I mean, yeah, there's a lot to be afraid of, but he said, why did I waste that whole evening laying in bed, tossing and turning, fearing this? I should have just waited till I was on the airplane for the fear to kick in. And it just made me think about how we give our fears so much energy, so much attention, that of course they're going to tend to take over.
1: But that's also been a a theme for a lot of people that I've been talking to as well, as far as these last several months. And I've said this to a lot of folks, it's been an absolute Richter scale. One day feeling like, okay, I know what I'm doing. This makes perfect sense. Literally the next day, a lot of fear-based doom, gloom, what if might could should like really debilitating stuff that is causing anxiety. It's causing like, and part of it, and we've talked about this a lot, are we being nudged to step more into what we came here to do? And I really, I think that that's a big part of it. But you're so spot on about the fear part of getting in our heads, worrying about it, worst case scenario. And some people say, oh, think of the worst case scenario and then it'll make it easier to deal with. Sometimes that can be a bad rabbit hole. <laughs> it can just go on and on and yes. on. Uh, but forcing ourselves out of that. And, and I do think it's a forced thing as far as, How do we convince ourselves that we're going to be safe enough to take this step? And maybe as empaths, that's part of the exaggeration of the fear is we haven't had a lot of luck when we've been vulnerable or when we've tried new things or when we have exposed ourselves in a way that may show our creativity or our real inclination of what we want to do with our lives. As far as being as sensitive as we are or anyone in general, And it might be a trigger from when we were kids or in school or from a partner or a parent. But we internalize the shit out of that stuff.
0: We really do. And I don't even know where that comes from. I I think you're right. It comes from past experiences and being vulnerable. But we also have these other examples through uh, other people's lives of how taking leaps of faith and facing our fears almost always results in triumph. And I don't even mean triumph in the terms of traditional success, like money, fame, and the promotion or what have you. I mean triumphs in terms of, I did it. I did it. I, whatever it is, even if you fail at it, don't you find it's a triumph just that you did it?
1: Oh, very much so. Very, very much so. And even, and I shared before we talked on, online that I just signed up for a course And the whole time I'm sitting there with my finger on the button and I'm thinking, Denise, what in God's name are you thinking? Hit the button. Hit the button. No. And it was almost like the devil on the shoulder and the angel on the shoulder all all by myself in front of my computer. Should I do this? Oh, no. Maybe I should throw a card and decide if this is. But it went from zero to 60. It was so foolish. So eventually I hit the button and I'm signed up for this class. But after I hit the button, I was even thinking, oh, what have I done? So. Pushing ourselves over that because it goes along with that feeling of wanting to make the most of it, and that's how I finally hit the button. It was like it's time to learn something new. It's time to step out of my comfort zone and do something different. And that seems like a really prevalent theme for people right now too—is stepping out of their comfort zone. And don't you think that that's really a big part of overcoming the fear?
0: Yes, I do. I do. I created a little Instagram post that basically said, you know, the time is going to pass anyway, so start today. Give birth to a new goal or resurrect an old dream. Don't allow time to be an excuse. And I've gotten so many, I think they're called DMs on Instagram. I don't know, but I've gotten so many personal <laughs> messages from people saying, um, I really needed to see that today. Why is time Like such an enemy for me? Why do I procrastinate? Why am I afraid of pursuing my goal? And so yes, I think a lot of people can resonate with that idea and that thought that fear is holding us back. And yet, when we look back at our lives, and we look at fears that we have faced, something good always comes from facing that fear. Even if in the moment, it doesn't feel very good. For example, when I was finishing up college, I got a really great job. Well, it didn't pay anything, but it was a good job. It was a human resource assistant at uh, Bergdorf Goodman. The good part is it was in Manhattan overlooking, you know, the beautiful, it was right across from the plaza. It was a beautiful location and a 40% employee discount. And my boyfriend lived there and a bunch of my friends were moving to the city. So it was just easy and perfect. And I thought, okay, this is great. I don't know how I'll pay rent, but it's a really fun, you know, cool job. And, and my boyfriend will be right there and my friends will be there. And I kept getting this little nudge, just apply to grad school. Just see what, see what you can see. And I was like, eh, because my thought was always take at least a year off and then go back to school. But I kept getting that little nudge. And so I talked to my parents about it, and my dad, who's such a generous man, but he was like, I paid for three colleges, I paid for two weddings, I'll pay for your wedding, but I'm done. Like, I'm, I'm tapping out. If you go to grad school, great, proud of you, but you're paying for it. And then I was like, "Well, oh, crap, because I don't want to deal with student loans, and so that held me back because I have huge money fears. And so I found this little school in Connecticut that would pay your tuition, if you worked in the public school system during the day, and then you went to the school at night. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool because I'd graduate with a master's. I wouldn't have student loans and I'd have a one year of teaching experience. And it was easy. Like they would just assign you to be a permanent sub in whatever school. So I was like, Mm -hmm. okay. So I applied. I was like, I'm probably not going to get in. My GREs were okay, but not on the math score. My grades were good, but I didn't major in education or anything, you know? So I thought, "Eh, well, whatever. So I applied. I get called in to do the interview. They call me back to interview with this school that's an alternative high school for kids out of uh, prison or rehab. And I'm like, (laughs) I mean, Denise, you know me. Like how, I don't know what's the word not preppy but maybe conservative i have never done a drug in my life i've never been arrested you know like how am i going to relate to these kids right? right so i thought what what am i doing here so i go for the interview i'm terrified every step of the way i'm like what am i signing up for if i do this you don't you know you don't get paid any money they pay your your tuition but you don't get any other money so i'd have to move back home And you all who know me know what a horror that felt like. So I'm like, why am I doing this? But I kept going. And I remember the man said, are you familiar with Arms Acres? And I said, yes, I am. That was the rehab facility my dad had went to in the 80s when he was overcoming and getting sober from alcoholism. And so I shared a little bit of that experience. And he said, well, half of our kids are coming from the adolescent program there. And he was so excited that I had experience there and knew the place. Anyway, they hired me to be the history teacher. And I just felt honored and excited, but so scared, Denise. I I don't even know what I did that month. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't think. I said no to the happy cool chic job in the city, moved back home with my parents and started this job and it was so so above me. I did not know what I was I had never taught a day in my life. These kids were so jaded and angry and bitter and some of them were just frankly scary. You know, we had one boy who was 15 and had already been convicted of two rapes. A lot of them had just been arrested for um, a burgling ring. Most of them were just dealing with drugs and alcohol addiction, but it was a very motley group. Uh, two of the girls got arrested that year for prostitution. I mean, it was, it was a lot to deal with. And uh, I got through the year, I became really good friends with my two co-teachers. And I became very good friends with so many of those students. One of those students caused me to cry every single day from August to December. And by the time June rolled around, we were very good friends. And she actually wrote to me for a year or more after that class ended. And so it taught me so much about fear. And the whole reason why I'm telling this long story is because I wasn't a huge success that year. You know what I mean like nobody was like wow you're the best teacher I've ever had. I didn't have these huge breakthroughs with these kids, but I got through it and I think they learned a little bit about themselves and history. I hope they did. I learned so much about myself and when it came to other teaching jobs, especially at the community college, let me tell you, you couldn't throw anything at me for the rest of my teaching career that hadn't been thrown at me that year. And so because I faced that fear, it really helped me grow so much as a person, even though I don't necessarily look at that as, wow, what a success. I just look at it as, wow, I survived that and I I thrived through it as well.
1: That's interesting because my first teaching job was in residential treatment. And I worked there for two years. I was a special ed teacher. It was a uh, um, here in Maine, and and it did open the door for other jobs because people said, "Oh, if you could work there, you can work anywhere." But the population you described was a huge, huge part of my teaching career, from lockups, alternative schools, um, self-contained programs, and it it's not easy. It's not easy work, but you you perfectly perfectly articulated that that facing your fears and having to step up to the plate it wasn't an option and it it goes along with that fake it till you make it kind of thing from a 12 step program is sometimes you just have to pretend you have to pretend i'm going to get through this i will do the best i can and that can be what you need to get over that little lump to to because i don't think you would change that experience no I don't think you would either. Life. No. Oh goodness, no. It also. Uh, I, I mean, I remember when I first got the job, and I was describing it to my my father, and and we had always joked when I was a kid about people who would go away and they'd never come back, and you'd be like, I wonder where where, where away is. And I got the job, and I called my father, and I said, I found out where away is, and now I'm <laughs> living there. <laughs> and he said, Oh, Denise. <laughs> but it was you know, and I've done a lot of those kind of jobs and it gives you not only life experience, but also so much empathy and compassion for what other people have experienced. Because when you can switch that and say, oh my God, they're kids, they're kids and their lives have been living hell," And no matter they're jaded and angry and and belligerent and mean, scary ass mean sometimes.
0: Yeah, but you totally do understand it. And Here's my question, though, for everyone listening. Why can't we empaths extend that same compassion to ourselves when we're facing our own fears and blocks?
1: Because I think that's what we're all trying to find.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, here's another question I have for you about fear. When do you know to face a fear, and when do you know to accept a fear? For example, I always go back to how you and I met at the platform mediumship class, where I didn't know platform meant getting on a stage. (laughs) I thought it meant taking your mediumship to the next level. I thought we were going to be doing one-on-one readings, and that really terrified me. I did it. I did okay with it. I didn't enjoy it. I don't enjoy being on stage. I didn't enjoy my wedding day. I don't enjoy anything where I am the center of attention. I think you're a little bit like that too, very much so. I don't like when everyone's all eyes on me. I just, as a teacher, it's very, very different because I don't look at it as all eyes on me. I, every time I'm in the classroom, I look at it as we're all in this together. Let's learn and have fun. Mm-hmm. But as a stage medium, it's all eyes on you and you're there to not only pass on messages, but you're supposed to be funny and entertaining and enlightening and educational too. None of that appeals to me. Am I afraid of it? Yeah, I really am. I always have this fear that if I stand up there, no one's going to come through. I don't like having everyone staring at me. I don't like the weight of expectation. So here's my question. Once a year, I will get a reading from another medium. And I usually try to choose someone different, you know, just to experience different types of readers. And for the last 10 years, every time I do that around my birthday, one of the messages I get is, Oh, I see you on stage. You're supposed to be on stage. You're going to be on stage. And I'm like, Oh, for the love of God. So is that a fear I need to overcome? Or is that a fear I should just accept? You know, okay, Samantha, you enjoy behind the scenes stuff. So just accept that about yourself and go from there. Or do I push through that fear? Do you know what I'm asking? Like, when do people know this is just not for me or this is just fear?
1: Especially if you have a physical reaction to it. And Two things. I I think that you're going to be on stage for something different other than mediumship, but that's a story for another day. Uh, (laughs) The other thing is I was, as you were speaking, I was thinking about a conversation I had had with someone that I was good friends with this was years ago and it was someone I had dated and it wasn't over the top. But We had, you know, dated exclusively for, for a couple of years. And I brought something up that had been troubling me. And right before I said it, I had anxiety. I, my, my solar plexus went, went off the charts. I felt nervous. It was like cowbells ringing. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. And I knew I had to address it but my physical reaction was raw fear because I didn't want to have a confrontation. And after I said it, exactly what I was afraid of happened and it caused a rift and we just, anyway, long story short, it was that physical reaction. I think because before we did the platform mediumship, I had that same feeling nervous, stressed, anxious, sweaty palms, physical reactions to that that's raw fear. Do you get that as well?
0: Yes. And do you remember that group that was there from New Orleans? They couldn't (laughs) wait to get on stage. They were like pushing each other out of the way. Here I go. So I know not everyone has those same fears. And I know everyone listening has different fears as well. I'm just saying, at what point do you say, okay, this is who I am and I just need to accept this about myself versus no, I need to push past this. I I think it comes down to at least what I've been thinking about in my own head. And I don't know if this is true or not, but I think it comes down to what's more important, the light that you are trying to share with others or your fear. You know, because when I can get myself out of the way, like, and I think that's why I'm comfortable as a teacher, because when I'm in a classroom, I am in front of people. I, since that first year, I have never been nervous teaching a class. I've taught every grade. I've primarily, you know, I spent, I don't know, 17, 18 years at the college level, but I have taught in the lower grades and middle school as well and high school. And I've never been nervous because it's not about me. It's about whatever it is we're all trying to learn together. But on when I think about doing platform mediumship, I think it's about me. What helped me, if you remember, we did get a little break to make a cup of tea. And I remember thinking to myself as I was giving me a, a pep talk, this isn't about you. It's about whatever spirit needs to come through to share this message. And once I was able to get myself out of that way, I still had the sweaty palms and the tightness in the throat and the nerves, but I was able to actually walk onto that stage and not collapse into a heaping pile because it was not about me.
1: Okay, and I have to jump in here. I have to jump in. Is that no one knew, (laughs) like when you were when you when when you were performing when you. When you were on the stage, you were calm, you were collected, you were nailing the hits, you were bringing through the messages. It was silky smooth. Well, that's good. No I feel the same way about, about you.
0: I think empaths are really good at pretending and faking all of that. Don't you? Like I I can totally be in a nervous situation and oh, nobody yes. will know because empaths were so good at pushing our own stuff down and just being what we need to be in that moment. But I think also because once I connected with that, the first uh, person that came through was that little unborn baby who came through for that person in the audience. And I knew that that little soul had to get that message through and it was no longer about me. And so maybe that's just something for all of us to think about when we're facing a fear, whether it's I really want to be an actress but I'm afraid of being on stage. I want to write that book but I don't think I'm a good writer. I want to switch jobs but what else is out there for me? What if I make the wrong choice? What if what if I go through what if I move houses and it's not the right choice? I think if we try to focus on what's more important, holding on to this fear or showing the universe that we trust to allow our light to shine through
1: really hit me with that was you know the whole procrastination fear of failure fear of success and I shared this with you earlier is the whole I love words I love writing I love you know playing with words I play word games all that stuff and I was writing the other morning and I said well maybe I should and I stopped myself and I thought and I wrote right in my journal that's a damn excuse Denise because, but I, and then I made it into a statement, and I said, I am going to blank, and I filled in the blank, and it changed the whole energy around it, so the power of words, and what we tell ourselves, so I think part of this, it might be what we learned, or what we've experienced, or what we've had other people put in our heads, or our own personal fears, again, but it can also be we can switch that up if it means enough to us, if it means enough to us to take that leap, to take that step. And I used to joke with my kids when, especially my older son, and I said, well, you're not hungry enough. And he said, well, what do you mean? And I said, hungry meaning you really want this badly. You want it enough that you can put all other stuff aside. Mm -hmm. And I
0: I think that's part
1: of this. But so many of us, myself included, I become immobilized, And I procrastinate, and I can see the long picture. I can see, oh, if I do this project, this is the result. But it's getting the gears going and overcoming those obstacles that I've put in front of myself that aren't really even there.
0: But that's a great word you just used, hunger. Mm -hmm. And really I think that's what we're saying is, are you going to feed the fear or are you going to feed the goal?
1: Right.
0: And which are you hungrier for, the fear or the goal? I think that's an excellent, excellent point. There's a really great teacher from the 1940s and 50s, Earl Nightingale. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of him or read him. He, you can actually listen to his talks on YouTube. I just think that's so cool that, you know, these people that haven't been alive in forever and haven't been teaching and decades, you can still see their work on places like YouTube. But he has a quote. He says, success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. Ooh. And I think about that a lot. I've memorized it. Because when I'm thinking about a fear I have in terms of a goal or a dream, I try to focus on that, the progressive realization of a worthy ideal and so if there is something that we want and we want it bad enough that we're hungry for it we will be successful if we if the idea is worthy right like if if the service that you want to give to the world actually has worth and shape and form because haven't you met a lot of clients who will say to you i know i'm here for something special but i don't know what mm-hmm. and then i think well you can't n- No psychic is going to tell you that. No prayer is going to answer that. No manifesting book is going... You have to find out what it is you're here to do before you can try to manifest or create anything. So that's really important. But if you have a worthy idea and you just keep progressing forward towards that idea, it's going to come to fruition. But it's that consistent daily effort And I think that's hard. I I read in some book it said, don't write a to-do list every day. Write a get-to list. Mm -hmm. And I thought, all right, I'll give it a try. And my to-do list ended up looking like I get to drive my kids to six different (laughs) places today. (laughs) I get to pay bills today. I and I was like, okay, this again.
1: Because I'll say that, I'll catch myself and I'll say, Oh, I have to drive there and go to work today. And I immediately, that's so funny. You just said that because I'll say, Oh my God, I get to do this. I get to go drive there. And it, it just, and I crack myself up because it is, it's that how you say it to yourself and how you put that energy into it. It changes stuff.
0: Yes. It does, it does. But when I when I looked at my handwriting, I get to drive for three hours today. I was just like, <laughs> yeah, no.
1: Okay, but what if, this is not let's working. Let's go back again to that. People want they have a direction, and they're they're saying, I know I'm supposed to do something, and I'm feeling I'm feeling lost. I don't know what that is. And a lot of times, it one little thing you can ask yourself is, what do I love? What do I Google, what do I read about? What do I love to watch? What is your one thing that, and some people they'll be on the treadmill watching cooking shows and they are just entranced with cooking shows. They're going to buy cooking magazines. They're going to, you know, go to the the store that they're going to go to Williams-Sonoma. I mean, that's their world. That's what they love. That's kind of nudging you in a direction. If, if all you do is juju and woo-woo and spiritual and you, that's what you fall down the rabbit hole with. Don't you feel that that's kind of spirit pushing you in that direction of saying, here's your starting point, jump off from here?
0: Yes, I do. I do. But I also think half the people who say that genuinely don't know what oh, they're here to do. Oh, very much. I think the other half know very, very much what they want to do, but they're afraid of admitting it even to themselves
1: or they think they won't make enough money or no one will listen or they're not good enough or it goes back it, it loops right back yeah. around to the fear again.
0: Yeah, it does. It does. And I also think we get so comfortable in the angst that we're in that that becomes all we know.
1: Oh, that's very good.
0: I mean, I I've I've watched friends and and clients who will say, "I know I should be doing this, but I've got to deal with A, B, and C first. And they focus so much on the limitations that are holding them back. It almost becomes a crutch for them.
1: That goes back to the procrastination again of seeing the... The goal, wanting to do this, wanting to have your life more organized or the project started or the 10 pounds gone or rationalizing things with, okay, then I need to walk more, eat less, do some exercises and putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. So that's that. um, it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of it's never going to happen anyway. So why should I waste my
0: time? Yes. And then one of these days becomes none of these days. Because so often I'll tell people, you know, well, if you want to do this, you know, for example, I had a client who said to me, "I, I have this really amazing story. This, this life I've lived is really amazing. And she shared with me a lot of the things she had been through and it was really amazing. And I said, yeah, that would make an amazing memoir. And she said, but you know, I just don't know how to write it. I don't know how to start. And I said, we'll take a writing class. Oh, I don't have time for that. Well, then, (laughs) then what do you want? You know, because then what do you, if you, if you don't know how to get from point A to point B and I hand you a map and then you say, oh, I can't read maps. Well, then what is the universe going to do with that? Right. And so I think we have to be open not only to those signs and those nudgings that you were talking about, but also to the practical daily things you can start to do right now to achieve that goal. Now, there are other types of fears that hold people back, though. I get a lot of questions from people that will say things like, I really think I'm in the wrong career, or I've been offered a new job, but it's in a different state, and I'm terrified of taking it and then thinking I made the wrong choice. Or I know that the person I'm dating isn't right for me, but I'm not really ready to be alone and and take that leap of faith and that confrontation stuff. So I think that those are different types of fears. And I think those fears are focused more on doubting yourself and worrying about things you may or may not regret in the future. That's
1: a lot to think about. And you're, you're right. It's, it's that turning point of if I make this choice, is this? And people are making some really big choices right now. Careers, relationships, stepping into their power, finding what they want to do with their lives, feeling more, uh, em, not empowered, but wanting to feel more empowered to step away from the mundane of their lives and live more fully.
0: Yes. Yes. And yet they're terrified. If I do that, you know, will this, this, and that change? And, you know, yes, all of that might change. I mean, when I stepped into the light and started doing this work in a more public, open, prominent way, a lot of things changed in my life. I stopped teaching at the community college. I had two friends who just said, that's too much for me. You know, I'm a, Evangelical Christian can't handle it. So I had a lot of difficult changes like that. But then I look at all the beautiful changes that occurred. I've met so many amazing, wonderful people, both here and on the other side. I've learned so much about what's really important in life, what truly matters. I've had this connection develop between me and something greater than me that I wouldn't trade for anything. And so If you are thinking about making a big change and a big step into your light, but fear is holding you back, just know that, yeah, things are going to change, and some of those changes are going to be sad and difficult, but what you trade in for that is going to be so much better. Like There's this book I love so much. I read it to my kids. It's about a little girl, and she's 12, and she has to live with her grandparents for the summer. Now, I read this book when I was 12 and then I read it again with my girls when I was obviously much older. When I read it as a 12-year-old, this is what I thought the book was about. She goes to visit her grandparents for the summer, and, you know, they're grandparents, so they're not the most exciting people. And so she's bored, and, and she goes for walks all the time. Every time it's a foggy day, she walks through the fog and ends up in this town from the past. It's like 100 years ago. And It's such a beautiful town, and everyone there welcomes her, and she makes friends with this family, and it's so simple, and they actually play with dolls still, because you know, as 12-year-old in her day, they don't play with dolls, but a 100 years ago, they did, and so she plays with dolls, and she plays with horses, and she's just, every time she's back in this magical, historic town, she's a kid, and it's so wonderful. So the end of the summer comes, it's her 12th birthday, she celebrates it with her grandparents, and then she goes through the fog and she celebrates it with this family. And they eat the cake and the family says to her, once you go through that fog now, you won't be able to come back. And she goes back to her grandparents and she cries about it and she thinks about it and and then the book ends. That's what I thought the book was about as a Mm 12-year-old. When I read it to my kids years later, I'm crying hysterically on the last chapters because I finally realized what the book was about. It's about this magical transition we go through when we step away from childhood into adolescence and how there's this huge sense of loss. I mean, do you remember that? That feeling of. I remember packing up my Barbies thinking, I will miss you. You know, that, but I knew I didn't want to play with them anymore. And the whole end of the book is about how excited she is to, you know, be moving into adolescence and how exciting. How excited she is to start middle school and all the good stuff coming up, but she misses this this simple family that she was able to visit during this magical summer. And I think about that book a lot when I'm afraid of big transitions in my life. Because it is kind of like moving from childhood to adolescence or adolescence to adulthood or adulthood to the elderly stage. There's always losses that are going to be difficult, but we gain so much more through each of those huge changes
1: and it's making the most of your time here to continue to evolve and grow and not stay stuck where you've been and you that's interesting you brought that up because i was driving past the middle school Oh, a couple of weeks ago, and I saw all the kids outside at recess, and they're just standing around, they're talking, they're on their phones. And that has always, always, and I remember it. I remember leaving elementary school and going into middle school, and you go from playing on the playground, you're on swings, you're playing four square, you're jumping rope, you're all of these things. And then middle school, and everyone just kind of stands around. And it's it, as far as play and interactions and it's, oh, I've seen that over and over in different schools I've taught in around the country, that somehow we just close that door and say it's not cool to play anymore. Now we just have to socialize or compare ourselves to other people. And there's always that fringe of people that are still playing hacky sack or doing whatever. But if it, is hacky sack even a thing anymore?
0: I don't know. It should be. That was always a fun <laughs>
1: so, I, but you, game you, of coordination. That's a really nice way to put that. When we're going through a transition, we have to face those fears because we are growing out of who we've been to become who we really are, are evolving into next. and
0: Right. And there are going to be growing pains and there might be some regrets. There's always going to be some regrets. That's just a normal part of growing. But we have to focus on what we're going to gain as we step into that next growth period of our life. And we have to also show ourselves and the universe that we are trusting this growth process. Otherwise, we will stay stuck. And, and you can tell the people who are stuck, can't you? You can see them. Their, their light is diminished. They tend to hold on to their old beliefs. I don't even know if they know why they believe what they believe anymore. I can always tell someone who's stuck, Denise, because they don't try new things, and I mean any new things. Like, they don't try new ice cream flavors. They don't read new books. They don't listen to the new current music. They're just stuck in what they've always known.
1: And there's a comfort in that. There's a comfort in knowing sure. what's coming and not not looking out and seeing a palm tree and saying, oh my God. I mean, there's a comfort in saying, I know where everything is in my home. This is my path. This is what I'm doing. There's also what's been coming up a lot in things that I've been reading and is being willing to fail, being willing to be vulnerable enough to fail and not be the best or not be successful. And that's how we learn. And that's how we overcome the fear is by being willing to not do well at something. And that's scary, especially. Yeah, that, that is that scary. Is but what's... vulnerable.
0: Yes. And, it, and if anything is important to us, it's going to make us feel vulnerable. Right. But Churchill said, success is nothing more than going from one failure to one failure without losing enthusiasm. I love that expression. <laughs> because it's so true. You, Every successful person has had more failures than successes, if you really look into their life story. And yes, you do have to become comfortable with failure. And I think that's hard for empaths because we're so sensitive and we're very hard on ourselves and we tend to hold ourselves to much higher ideals and expectations than we do the average person around us.
1: Especially if I'm thinking about, let's just use this as a career example, of I really need to leave this job. Will I be able to support myself? How will I generate money? Yes, I love this more than anything. I want to do this. And we talk about do it as a side hustle, build it up, take the classes, learn if this is what you like to do, practice. But if someone has waited for years and years and years to finally have the opportunity, and then they crash and burn, that can really cause some damage emotionally if you've, because then it's like, oh shit, I took this big leap. I, I faced my fears and it didn't turn out the way I want. And we can sit here now and say, oh, well, the lesson was you needed to blank, blank, blank. But that's big when you want something so much and you've put it off and put it off and put it off. I think that that adds more and more angst to it and makes it bigger and bigger. So maybe part of this is taking those little those facing the little fears so that we can build a platform to face the bigger stuff later on.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, I was reading Paul Selig's book, I Am the Word. And he talks in there or his guides talk in there. It's a channeled book. He talks about how you have to look at the root of anything that's holding you back. And so he has this whole section where he talks about how fear of failure has always held him back. And so his guides asked him to really look at the root of that. And he tells this story about how he had this new bike as a kid and he was so excited and he went out to show it to all his friends and was like kind of showing off like, Ooh, I can do a, you know, no hands. And he fell and crashed. And it was so embarrassing to have this big public failure in front of all his friends as he was kind of bragging about his new bike. So he runs home to his mom and she holds him and cuddles him and makes him cookies and nurtures him. And he realized that he learned in that moment, oh, I get attention when I fail. This feels kind of good. And that was so illuminating to me because I never thought of the, positive things people get from mm-hmm. failure. It never really struck me that way. But I think for many people that could possibly be true. Wow. I did not get cookies and hugs when I failed in pilot. <laughs> <home. laughs> I can't really relate to that. But <laughs> but I can definitely see how that could resonate with a lot of people of oh yeah, I get attention and I get nurturing and and compliments and soothing energy and and comfort when I fail. And so, maybe subconsciously, people sometimes create failure to get that attention again. And I don't mean attention in, in the passive aggressive way I'm making it out to be. I, I mean attention in terms of, you know, love and support and nurturing. Don't
1: you think, too, though, that as I'm thinking of someone specific as I'm saying this, that we have tried different things or we've done made some choices that we have directed our lives onto a new path not necessarily the best path but it's where we are now and I know that sounds very vague so say you made a a choice that really wasn't in your best interest it derailed your life a little bit it has put your life on a whole new path that that might cause some fear of oh but I screwed up so badly before I don't want that to happen again
0: right right I think so You mean just that whole regret thing?
1: Well, regret or the fear becomes more intensified because the failures were such big deals. Mm. So similar to if someone has been in a series of bad relationships, they may choose to be alone because it's easier than facing the fear of being hurt again. Or they have gone through a lot of financial devastation, so they'll stay in the job that doesn't feed their soul, and is toxic because they're so afraid to go back to a state of poverty and scarcity.
0: See, and that's where I think being connected to your spirituality is so important for things like that. Because I remember I, I did like a very intense meditation years ago to connect with my guide about a situation with my mom. I knew I was supposed to confront her about some argument we had had. And I really didn't want to. I just wanted to avoid it. And I said to my guide in this meditation, I know I'm not learning the lesson I'm supposed to learn here with this relationship. And frankly, I'm too exhausted to keep learning. And he shrugged and goes, "Eh, you'll learn it the next go around. And I was like, what? I got to come back and do this again? (laughs) And he said, well, we've got eternity. Why not? But (laughs) I think, I'm hoping that's just his sense of humor, but it did make me think it's really not a big deal. Like everything that we make, even the big deal things like a failed relationship or a failed career or a big financial fail, those are big things in the moment. But when you look at them from a spiritual eternal perspective, it's okay. It's all okay. And I think really getting in touch with, your spirit, your soul, your guides, your inner compass, helps bring a lot of that into perspective. You know, there's an old Chinese saying or proverb that says, when you worry, you suffer twice. And I think about that saying a lot. Because really, what is the point of worrying? If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And worry and freak out about it then. If it's not going to happen, You're suffering through this worry for no reason. So when you worry about, oh, I'm going to have this failure again, or I've made this wrong decision, or I'm going to regret this, it's really such a waste of time and energy and you're just making yourself suffer twice. Even if, okay, let's say that like the person you're talking about, let's say that that really was a colossal failure and it was totally their fault. Okay. Can you do anything about it? Can you fix it? Can you get into a time machine? No. So you just need to forgive yourself, accept what's happened, learn from it, and move forward. I know I'm making it sound much easier than it actually is to do, but I really do believe it's just an awareness of switching that perspective.
1: I agree. And also not listening to what other people's expectations may have been for your life or your situation or your choices. So, and I think that comes back to the empath part of if someone is, um, I'm thinking of a woman I spoke with recently and her her child uh, was on a very clear path, very type A, very successful and took a left turn and this young person is now very still, it's where I'm sitting now, very, very young and hasn't even started to experience life. I don't even know if maybe, maybe um, early 20s at this point, but I don't think so. So we can see it from the the more you age, the more you can say, "Oh, well, that's just a blip on the screen. But at the moment, it's such a huge thing for the family and all the people who had the expectations of a, of a life going in a certain direction. So I think as empaths, we need to really take care of ourselves with what our dreams are or what our fears are and maybe not share them with everyone so that they don't become intensified or, or used against us.
0: That's one of the secrets of manifesting, you know, is you're not supposed to share your goals with everyone you only share them with the one or two people that you know are going to root and cheer for you. And I, I think that's a really good point. But I also think those expectations, oh, you know, one of my favorite books as a kid was Anna Green Gables, and I loved her. I named my middle daughter, Victoria Anne with an E for, <laughs> for Anna Green Gables. And I agreed with everything she said and stood for. But this one sentence in one of the earlier books when she says that she thinks expectation leads to all sadness. And at the time, I was like, Ann, that's so wrong because what, where would I be without my expectations and my hope and my plans and my goals? But as I got older, I really see what Ann means because so many people get derailed from their true purpose because they had this idea of the way it was supposed to be. And or then life the takes you in a different way
1: or what,
0: the, what, yes. be
1: like, or what the, the area they chose to move to. It covers everything.
0: Yeah, it really does. I mean, if you could get into that time machine and go back to 10-year-old Denise, can you imagine if you said to her, well, when you're an adult, you're going to teach at a high school for a long time, But then you're going to talk to dead people and share stories about, (laughs) I mean, she would have been like, what? Get back in that time machine, girlfriend. I don't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. I think if any of us traveled back in time to our little selves and said, this is what your life's going to look like. You're going to be driving a minivan. Get ready. We'd all be like, no. So. Yes, on one hand, you need to have expectations for yourself, but you also need to have room for modification and acceptance of what life is going to give you. Because this whole world is nothing but a, a dance. It's, it's a dance. And, and sometimes we get out of step. Sometimes we're wallflowers. Sometimes we just take a time out. But if we allow our dance card to be filled up and we go with the flow of the universe, we can put our expectations out there. But we also need to realize that the universe has expectations of us. And it it needs to be a dance, a marriage between those two. You know, Denise, you and I are teaching our Mediumship 101 class right now. And one of the things we are emphasizing to our students is that we are here to serve the world of spirit we are also here to serve the living and that's what a medium does is they are a bridge between this world and the other but we really are in service to both sides and the spirit world has certain things they need and want us to say and they have expectations of us but the living people they have totally different expectations from us and as a medium we have to learn to braid those two expectations together into something that resembles a cohesive, validating message. Well, I think it's the same with all of our lives. We have to take our expectations for our lives, but then we have to blend it with the expectations the universe has for us.
1: Oh, that was beautifully, beautifully said.
0: Was it? I feel like I rambled. Yeah, you didn't ramble. No, it was good.
1: And it tied it up beautifully. Well, I'd like
0: to finish with a little sentence, well, three sentences, I guess, if we're going to be technical, that I'd like everyone to try saying every day this week, if they could. What I do matters. What I think matters. Who I am matters. I think if we all just said that to ourselves as a mantra this week, What I do matters, what I think matters, who I am matters. It'll start to create a shift in our energy where we will see that we are worthy of our goals and dreams. And soon when fear comes up to join us at the table, we'll just pat him on the head and go, oh, silly fear, eat a cupcake. (laughs) Eat a cupcake and then shut up. (laughs) (laughs)
1: that's a good message That's a really good message and it's something you can do when you're brushing your teeth or when you're walking the dog or you're driving to school or it it just feels like that could be easily a, a very empowering automatic thing to recenter yourself
0: yes and remember that you have a purpose you have a light and the universe has expectations of you to share it and if you don't know how you're going to do that, in what manner you're going to do that or even what beam of light you are here to share, just try saying that mantra over and over this week and watch the signs and synchronicities that will take place as a result because we all are waking up and we all are here to work together in cohesive alignment with our light but also with the light of everyone else and the whole connected light of the universe. And we can only do that when we learn to face our fears, embrace our fears, and then kind of push them to the back and focus on what we're really here to do. We are very excited to tell you about our fall lineup of classes. In August, Thursday evenings from 7 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Denise and I will be offering our Mediumship 101 class That's going to be Thursdays, August 8th, 15th, 22nd, and 29th. And if you want to learn more about that Mediumship 101 class, we will have a ton of information on our website, samanthafay.com and thegratefulmessenger.com. What we do in these classes is we introduce you to mediumship. We teach you how to open up, connect with your guides, work with the energetic vibration of lifting and connecting with the world of spirit. You are partnered up with someone new each week so you can practice what we're teaching you in real time. Each class is done over Zoom. So it's an interactive webinar. You can see us, you can see everyone else and talk to each other and meet like-minded people. Each class is recorded. So if you can't make it one night or work runs late, it's no problem. Classes are recorded. They are emailed to you the very next morning. In September, we are offering that same class, but we're doing it during the daytime on Fridays. So that class is going to be September 6th, 13th, 20th, and 27th from noon to 1.30 p.m. Eastern time. So the Mediumship 101 classes for the fall are Thursday evenings in August and Fridays in September. And then in October we're going to be offering our advanced mediumship class. And this is for anyone who has taken our mediumship 101 class. And we really hope that you join us for these classes. Denise and I have had so much fun teaching these classes and meeting our listeners and just watching the beautiful relationships that result from these classes and watching people really start to step into their light and build their connection to their gifts and the world of spirit. It's such an honor really and truly to teach these classes. This will be
1: the last time we'll be offering these courses in 2019. It will be after the first of the year into 2020 before we'll offer either of these, the 101 or the advanced class.
0: So please go to either of our websites for more information and to see student feedback on those classes. So we hope you guys check out what we are doing this summer and this fall. And we really hope to join that you join us in our mediumship classes this fall. If you really liked this show, please consider sharing it with a friend so that we can continue to grow our community. And take a moment to subscribe, like, rate, and review us on iTunes because it really does help all of us get to know each other that much better. Thank you so much for listening. As always, show up, do great work, share your light.